years ago, a teenage boy was asked to go and take some bread and cheese to his brothers who were in the battlefield. And when he goes to this battlefield, this teenage boy is shocked by the harassment that he's seeing that his people and his fellow countrymen are having from this ginormous man who is in the opposite camp. You know what I'm talking about? The story of David and Goliath. David, a teenager, is asked from his father to go and take some food for his brothers and for the captain of his brothers. And he faces this giant Goliath, which for 40 days, morning after morning, he's been challenging. One of those scary things, he's been challenging a fight to death. He's been challenging the people that the winner takes it all. And here comes this little boy, more young boy, and he is shocked. And he cannot swallow it. If you read in First Samuel chapter 17, you see the whole procedure of how the brothers you know, are involved with this, how he goes and says to Saul, who was the king of those times, and he wants to take this giant on. Because he cannot swallow the fact that the people of Israel are being ridiculed and they're being harassed and they're being bullied and they've lost their hope, they've lost their tether because of the daily threats of this giant. What does this have to do with a series of Psalms? you may ask. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 8. And it's a fantastic psalm. And um, as I've been studying, uh, it's, it's come to me afresh, actually, looking at Psalm 8 on the light of David winning the battle against Goliath. Now, I tell you why I have picked this psalm for the battle of Goliath. If you read the commentaries, there are different interpretations on the psalm, and I don't want to undermine the messianic, uh, the messianic approach of this psalm. But today I just wanted to kind of enforce and encourage us on the theme of voices of faith that we have started. And today I just wanted to look at David. And where did he root his faith and his confidence, even dealing with his giants? Now, Psalm 8 finishes with a very fantastic verse, verse 9. And then Psalm 9 starts with the first verse, which says, To the choir master, 
according to Muthlaben, a psalm of David. Now, there is, there is a conversation going on that actually that entrance sentence of Psalm 9 belongs as a closing sentence to the Psalm 8. So that's why I have gone for Psalm 8 today. And it has given me a new perspective on looking on this battle of David and Goliath. So there are three things that are very clear that come on Psalm 8. We're going to read it. We're starting with verse 1. I'm reading it. Actually, I've got it here, haven't I? I've got it here from the NIV. So, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of the children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moons and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful to them? Human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels, <coughs> excuse me, and crowned them with a glory and honor. You have made rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything under their feet, all the flocks and the herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's David. So here we've got David. He starts very, very clearly. I said there are three parts of this psalm. He talks about the glory of God. And then he talks about the glory of man that God has entrusted to man. And then he finishes again with the glory of God. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go back and forth from Psalm 8 to 1 Samuel 17. Psalm 8, 1 Samuel 17, and then... I've got two applications, or two challenging questions for for myself and for you in the end. The first thing that I want to approach today is that the first thing that David talks about in Psalm 8 is about the magnificence of God's name. Now, if we want to take this to the story of David and Goliath in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. Do you remember the approach that David has got with the giant? I think it would be very helpful if we read it. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. So the harassment has been going on for a long time, non-stop. And David gets the approval and the well, from Saul and the courage to go and find this giant. And now it's the time for him to confront him. So verse 45 says, David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. 
O Lords, O Lords, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You read the story of Samuel, Samuel puts down for David, and you see that actually it's good that we have got a person who's showing his faith in his God and his name. But the question that I've got is, what was wrong? So what is David doing that the people of Israel or the army of Israel has not doing? And why all of a sudden they're so scared of these giants when you read the first 14 chapters of chapters of victory, how Saul and Jonathan have won this. So they have been part of this same story as David has been. Why may... Why does David come across so assertive, so um, bold in his statement about God's name? I, I think there are two reasons for that. If you read in chapter, verse, chapter 16, I think it's verse 13, there is one special thing that has happened in the life of David. It's the anointing. It's one thing very special that has happened in the life of David. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit. And because of this, he's able now to declare that in what God has called him, he's able to face this giant who is harassing and who is putting and who is mocking God. The other thing which is very interesting here, is that David, because he was passionate, and because of his calling, he takes a stand which nobody else from the army was able to do. Not even the trained officials, not even King Saul himself. So his calling was so prominent in David's life. His anointing was so prominent. And his experience of God was very prominent as well. If you look at chapter 17, verses 34 to 36, he says, well, this God that you guys have seen fights in far, well, on your behalf in the past, he is the same God who has helped me with a bear and a lion. So yes, it was his calling, but also it was his experience of God that made David to come and say, well, how dare you mock the name of God? And how dare you mock the people of God? Because his name is majestic. His name is magnificent. His name is wonderful. And the psalm starts with, O Lord, our Lord. There is that personal element of the psalm, but there is also that corporate, Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then he experienced Goliath. 
And he sees the creation. Now, he was a shepherd. Probably they didn't have, well, they didn't, not probably, they didn't have any light pollution. So he could see the magnificent sky that God had made in the night when he was really shepherding his sheep. He had seen God's hand being there. And there he is now saying, well, who is mankind? Dealing with Goliath, seeing the folly of the people of Israel, seeing how basically God had really found him and anointed him. He comes to this place and says, well, who is mankind that you are mindful of him? Here we've got David. He's got the glory of God, very clear. But also he's got this entrusted glory that God has given to the man, to the humankind. Because it's placed higher than the rest of the creation, but below the creator. It's this crown that God has entrusted us with. It's this crown that God has entrusted David with. And yet David comes to this place and says, What is mankind that you are so mindful of him, of them? When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moons and the stars, what you have set into place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care of him? If we're looking for voices of faith in the Psalms, this is one of them. If we're looking for that encounter of God's calling, well, he has called each and every one of us. And he, had made, he has made it possible, much easier than David's time, through what Karuna showed to us earlier on, through what Jesus has done. That's the freedom that the cross gives us, that when we encounter God's forgiveness, we can do, we can come and say, Abba, Father. We've got that certainty of that anointment, that pouring of the oil, This is the voice of faith that we can say, because of what you have done, Lord, for us, we can say, how majestic is your name. Because I have experienced it, but also, O oh Lord, our Lord. The glory of men, being made less than God's and being placed in the world to exercise his serenity over the planets, both in nature and vocation, we are given his divine glory. What happens to the story we know very well. Goliath. sees this young boy who drops off the armor because basically he couldn't carry it. And he comes with his little sling 
and picks up some stones and he wants to do something with it. Because he knows that if he didn't stand up for it, that fight for life, that winner takes it all, it's soon going to end up in the hands of the enemies. And if you've got these warriors who are saying, well, what David is doing is suicidal. We can't do it. The problem was here is not only that they had lack of confidence, but they had a misplaced confidence. They had misplaced their confidence in their own abilities. And that's why they could not face this giant. Because he would overcome them. Whereas here we've got David, who's placed his confidence in a bigger person than this giant. And he says, well, I'll sort him out. Now, not only David became a ridicule now to Goliath, because he says, well, come on, what are you doing? I want a fighter. I don't want a teenager. But can you imagine what was going on in the camp of the Israelites when this 14-year-old or whatever age teenager stands up and says, I'll sort this giant out. Can you imagine saying, oh no, it's going to be worse than if one of us would have stood up in the first place. And yet, we see God in the center of David's confidence. We see David rooted in what he knew that God had called him to. And we also see David acting upon that confidence. Yes, the scene is gruesome because Goliath eventually dies. Because David kills him. And that winner takes it all works. But it works on David's side. There are two things that I just wanted to bring our attention to. The first thing is that through this psalm, it's encouraging to see and to be kind of calibrating our knowledge of God and saying, how majestic is your name. And on basis of that, I want to ask the question to you and to myself today. Is there any Goliath that is looking greater than God in your life? For people of Israel, this was the case. Is there anything that is hindering you to acknowledge God's name as majestic as he deserves to be? We've got the young people here today. And in conversations with the parents, I think there's so much pressure put into our young people about the future. 
There is so much pressure put about the education. It's so much pressure put that if you don't have this education, you'll not be able to do this and you'll not be able to succeed. If this is the Goliath that is stopping you or hindering you to face God who has really called you, deal with it. For the adults, what is our Goliaths in a 21st century England? Yes, it is very easy for us to pray for Morocco and say that in this current situation it's the religious afflictions that they're having and that's their Goliath. But what is our Goliaths in our society? What are the things that are hindering or they are coming across to us as greater than God and scaring us to pieces that we forget and we lose focus on the majestic name of God? What is it? Is it the way that we live, our lifestyle? Is it the debts that we are into? Is it our mortgages? Is it our jobs? Is it our neighborhoods? Is it the pressure that we've got from work colleagues? Is it family issues? What is it that somehow comes across to us as Goliath and shades the way the majesticness of God's name? David knew how to deal with a Goliath despite of his not ability to find any warriors in the past, despite that he was a young man. But he had rooted his credibility, he had rooted his confidence in the main thing and was unshakable. And you'll see it through the light, life of David. No wonder he was called a man after God's own heart. It was his calling, it was his anointing, but it was also his experience of God. So, my second question is, as you look back in this week, as you look back in these months, these years, is there something, is there a moment that you have had, that you're able to say, like David said, oh, I remember when I fought the bear, when I fought the lion, and you were with me, and therefore I can go and say to this giant, well, you come with all your ammunition, I have nothing apart from coming in the name of the Lord of the armies. Can we say that instead of looking back and saying, God, I remember that time that you revealed yourself afresh to me. I remember that time that you touched my life and turned it around. I remember that time that you answered my prayer when I was in desperate needs. God, you have been there. Your name is majestic. And I am going to overcome this Goliath. The moral of the story of... Um, David and Goliath is not that whoever is most the, God, the most heroic, courageous wins. 
The moral of the story is that the one that has got placed his courageousness, his confidence in God, wins. I'll read the psalm and I'll leave some space for us to reflect. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your force to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moons and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care of him? Yet, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have pulled out things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, O Lord, our Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth.